welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, the gospel message that the Bible declares for us is such an awesome message, isn't it? But what exactly is the gospel? Well, as we shall hear today, it has been described as the greatest possible blessing, given by the greatest possible invitation, and it's based on the highest possible authority, and received on the simplest of terms. So then it really is a wonderful message. And on today's broadcast, evangelist Dan Shutt looks at the gospel in these four ways using as his text just one verse from Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Yes, the greatest blessing is God's salvation, and it's for everybody. But who provided it? Well, of course, it was God himself. And how do you get it? A simple look is all that is required. And we're sure that every Christian will enjoy the simple and clear gospel message and trust that any unsaved person listening today will drink in this wonderful message for themselves. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 22. God is speaking. This is what he says. Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. You know, every verse is an eternal treasure. But I want to tell you that when I read through my Bible, I discover that there are some gospel masterpieces. And this is one of them. The word of God to you tonight. Please stop and look. Please take a moment to listen. Please turn your heart to what God is saying tonight. Listen to these words. Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I want to speak tonight about four things from this verse, very simple gospel truths. I want to tell you, first of all, that this verse describes the greatest possible blessing that can come to a person in this world tonight. It is this, one single word, it is the word saved. One of my concerns in preaching the gospel is that I not simply preach to my friends who already are saved. I recognize that if you're a true Christian here tonight, you ought to enjoy the gospel. I actually don't understand people who profess to be saved and then tell me they don't like coming to gospel meetings. Because when I come to gospel meetings, my soul is restored. And I fall in love again with the Lord Jesus. And if you're up here preaching when I'm in the audience, don't mind if I close my eyes every once in a while. I'm just taking a moment to thank God for ever sending his son to save me. But I didn't come to preach to the Christians. I came to preach to people who are not saved. And one of my fears is that there is language that we use that Christians understand that people who are not Christians do not understand. And so I want to just begin with the simplest possible thing. Do you know what it means to be saved? It'd be a miserable bit of business, wouldn't it, to preach for half an hour? 
and have someone go home and not know what it means to be saved? I think so. Saved. Back home where I live in Michigan, just two miles from my home is a state park with a very colorful name. It is called Mayberry Park. And on that park, it's a couple of square miles on one edge of that park, stands an old farmhouse, likely 150 years old, and next to it, a beautiful red barn. It was a working farm up until the 1950s when the state purchased it, and as a service to the community, it has been converted into a park. Some of the happiest memories that my wife and I and our children had were going to the farm at Mayberry Park. I was raised on a farm, and I love to take my children there to see the chickens and the goats and the ducks and a couple of beautiful Belgian horses that I was very fond of and cows of every size, shape, and description. We love to go to Mayberry Park. i never forget one night, just as my wife and I were retiring for the night, suddenly all of the sirens in town went off. And we remarked to each other that maybe there was a fire or some sort of an emergency, but didn't seem to be in our neighborhood, so we went off to bed and went to sleep. I remember well the next morning when I got dressed and was uh, getting ready to go out, I, I met my neighbor in the driveway. He said to me, Danny said, did you, uh, did you hear what happened last night? I said, no, I, I heard the sirens, but, but I, I, I really didn't know. Well, he said, you know, he said, your kids are really going to be sad. I don't think he knew that I was going to be sad too, but he said, that beautiful old post and beam barn full of all these animals. He said, last night, he said, there was a problem with the wiring. And he said, that barn caught on fire. And he said, it burned to the ground. Well, I'll tell you what, that put a real crimp in my day. I, I was really sad by that. I'm a person who loves animals, and the thought of those beautiful animals there perishing like that really stirred me. But about 10 o'clock that morning, I met another friend, and he wanted to talk to me too. He said, Dan, he said, you're not going to believe this story. He said, you know the fire over at Mayberry Park? Yeah, I said, I heard about it. He said, you know, when the sun fully came up and the mist had kind of burned off the morning and the smoke had cleared and, and all the chaos started to subside, he said, do you know what they found? I said, no, I can't imagine. He said, standing down at the end of the pasture was one old mule. He was singed pretty good. I think one ear was going this way and one was going this way. He wasn't very good looking. But you know, out of that story of so much devastation, and so much loss, and so many that perished. You know, there was just a tiny note of joy at the end. Do you know why? Because there was one mule that was saved. Now, I didn't come here tonight. I'm just barely smart enough not to compare my audience to a barn full of animals. But here's the thing. We live in a world tonight where men and women are perishing. We live in a world that is marked by sin, a world that is destined for the judgment of God. And as I preach the gospel, it is something that I want to make abundantly clear. The sin that we see in the world around us is not the problem. The problem is sin that is found in each individual heart. And the problem is not that this world is someday under the judgment of God going to be consumed by fire. It is this that every individual unforgiven sinner is going to perish for all eternity. You know, I would love to come here tonight and talk about politics and talk about world economics, talk to you about the benefits of nuclear energy and the wonder of exploring space with rocket ships and all sorts of inspiring sorts of things. 
But we have come here tonight to talk about ultimate realities. The reality that you and I have disobeyed God. The reality that you and I are at a guilty distance from Him. The reality that between us and God, there is a great gulf that has been fixed by our sin and by our guilt and by our disobedience. And apart from this wonderful word, saved, we're going to perish forever. The Bible speaks in clear, unvarnished terms. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. You know, there are those who think that life is all there is. I heard a philosopher speaking just about a month ago. He said, life begins as a fluke, it's lived as a farce, and it ends up as fertilizer. I'm glad I don't live in his body. The futility of a life without meaning, without God, without truth. Dear friend, let me tell you tonight that this holy book that we hold in our hand is a revelation of truth from the God of eternity. And in it I learn the solemn facts of human experience. We are sinners against a holy God. And if that sin is not forgiven, if we are not saved, we will perish. You know, that's why I love the word saved. Because I've come to you tonight not as some spiritual giant or some religious leader. I've come to you tonight as a sinner who has been saved by God's grace. And that moves me tonight to the deepest depths of my being. Because I'm not a man who deserves to be saved. I deserve to be in hell tonight. I do not deserve the tiniest particle of the grace of God. And yet in his matchless wonder, he reached down and saved me. Glory to God. Thanks be to him eternally for his great salvation. But I want to tell you tonight that when I preach about the greatest possible blessing of being saved, there is something that is implied in that statement and is just this. In order to be saved, we need a Savior. You know, as far as I know, that old mule actually delivered himself. His salvation depended on the fact that he seemed to muster the strength to kick the side out of his pen and the side of the barn down, and he was his own Savior. He created his own rescue. He manufactured his own deliverance. His salvation depended on him. No one else could rescue him. He rescued himself. You know, I, I wish that I could tell people that they could save themselves. I can tell you that tonight there are any number of venues that you might attend where you will be told that you can save yourself. But I'm going to share with you just now the verse that God used in my salvation. It's one of the most important verses, at least to me, in the Bible. It's found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. This is what it says. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that, listen, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Friend, I want to tell you something. You cannot save yourself tonight. I'm going to tell you something else. The preacher can't save you either. What we need is a mighty Savior who can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's why it's so sweet to come and tell you tonight about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's the center of the gospel. There's a lot of things I have to preach about as a gospel preacher. I have to tell people about their sin. And I have to tell them about coming judgment. I have to tell them about the reality of death and the seriousness of dying without Christ. I have to tell people about the fact that the Lord Jesus is coming again. I have to tell people about a fiery hell 
and the darkness of the lake of fire that extends throughout eternity. I have to tell people about all those things, but I want to tell you what the center of the gospel is. The center of the gospel is this. There is a Savior for sinners tonight, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I was lost and in my sins, when I was sinking beneath their burden and its guilt, I discovered that there was a man who came to Calvary for me, and in the place of a guilty sinner, he died for me. That's wonderful. I deserved eternal death, the hymn writer wrote, but Jesus died for me. And I'm going to tell you tonight that I'm going to be in heaven for eternity. Not because I'm a preacher. Lots of preachers are scoundrels. I'm going to heaven because Jesus died for me. And all the sin and the guilt and the punishment that I had accrued was laid on Him. And I love that hymn because the sinless Savior died. My sinful soul is counted free. And God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. Greatest possible blessing in all the world is for a perishing sinner to be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that this verse describes not only the greatest possible blessing, but this verse describes the fullest possible invitation. Listen to its words again. Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. You know, preaching the gospel isn't the easiest thing to do. I'm 2,500 miles away from home, a little bit homesick right about now. But there's something I love about the gospel. A lot of things I love about the gospel, one of which is just being able to tell you that the Lord Jesus is the Savior. There's something else I love to tell you. You know, it doesn't matter where I go. Whether I go to Mexico or whether I come to Canada, whether I'm on the West Coast or on the East Coast or in that great big brown middle in between, I never have to stand up and look at an audience and wonder, is my message for them? You see, this is a message from God for you. Doesn't matter about your gender. Doesn't matter about your race. Doesn't matter about your religious affiliation. It doesn't matter about your intelligence or your wealth or your social standing or what your history is. It does not matter. This is a message that goes to whosoever. It is a message for a worldwide. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Folks, this is for you. A couple of years ago, my wife and I had our 25th wedding anniversary. Hard to believe that my wife could put up with me for that long. And my children, they don't normally pull one over on their dad once in a while, but they took us out to dinner. And it was so nice, and, and it was one of our favorite restaurants, and we spent about an hour there, and it just was a, a lovely evening. And the best part is they were paying for it. I love that part best of all. And you know, I just, uh, somehow my brain relaxed. A very dangerous thing. And so when we got home, I opened the front door, and I was just ready to head for my easy chair when I discovered that they had sprung the trap. And they had actually invited six couples. They're the six people that have known my wife and I the longest in life. They've stuck with us when we wept, and they've stuck with us when we laughed. They stuck with us when we were broke, and they stuck with us otherwise, you know. They're just real friends. The kind that, I'll tell you, I hope all of you have friends like I have. Just wonderful Christian friends. Nothing like them. And so the party began, you know. And they showed pictures of me. My kids were asking my wife, we didn't know your first husband was so skinny. 
and good-looking, and they told lies about me and fishing trips, and, you know, the evening, it just sped by until it was almost, it was almost midnight before they left. And, you know, I'll never forget it. They, the, the last person left, and the door closed, and my wife and I just <laughs> stood there holding hands, and she turned to me, and, you know what she said? My, my wife's a lot sweeter than me, you know. <laughs> and she said, you know what? She said, that was so good. She said, I wish all our friends could have come. You know what I mean? But our house isn't that big. There wasn't room. It just was physically impossible for my children to involve all the people, really, that we would have liked to have had there. But friend, let me tell you something tonight. It is such a joy to preach the gospel to you tonight because there is a door that is standing wide open tonight. There is a Savior who stands with an inviting hand spread open wide. Those hands that bear tonight the marks of Calvary, he stands and he says, Come unto me and I will give you rest. Can I tell you something tonight? There's never been a sinner who has come to the Savior that has ever been turned away. You know, I love to encourage people in gospel meetings. Now, maybe you don't know that about the gospel, but I think the gospel ought to be encouraging. It ought to encourage people to be honest about themselves and their condition. It ought to encourage people to face reality and understand that there is judgment ahead. But I want to tell you something. It ought to encourage people to come to the lovely arms of the Lord Jesus, this man who loves you so dearly and so well, this man who died for sins at Calvary, this man who stands in the meeting tonight, inviting people to come. This gospel message has the widest possible invitation. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. That's you, for I am God and there is none else. This verse tells us about the greatest possible blessing, the great truth of being saved. And this verse tells us about the fullest possible invitation. It goes to the ends of the earth. I want to tell you that this verse tells me that the promise of salvation comes on the highest possible authority. I am God, and there is none else. Sometimes I sell things. Maybe it's a car or something, and I, I want to get rid of it. And so someone sees the advertisement, and they come around the house, and they look at whatever it is we have to sell, and they say, I, I, we'll take it. And they say, uh, what would you rather have? Would you rather have cash or a check? Now, there's a couple things in life that I have figured out, and this one is a no-brainer. I like to have a piece of paper that has the authority of the government standing behind it. You know, I want to tell you tonight, this promise of God's salvation comes from God himself. I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm not asking you to trust a church or a creed. I'm not asking you to trust anything but this, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And to take the promise of God that the one who believes in him has everlasting life. God promises it. Will you take it? I want to speak very simply about my last point. The highest possible blessing is to be saved. The fullest possible invitation is to the ends of the earth. The highest possible authority is that the promise of salvation and forgiveness and eternal life comes from the God of heaven who cannot lie. But I've got one more thing, and it is this. God's salvation, listen carefully, because this might be the most important part of what I have to say tonight. God's salvation is received upon the simplest possible 
terms. Listen to the verse again. Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. May I say this? God's salvation is found in a look to Christ. I remember when my wife and I bought our first home. It happened to be sold as the result of a divorce settlement. I have never in my life seen so many lawyers and angry people in one room at one time. And if I could describe to you the mountains and the freight cars of paper that had to be signed, it was not an ordinary closing by any stretch of the imagination. You see, the terms and the conditions were so complex that no one actually understood what we were doing. But I want to tell you tonight that when it comes to the gospel, would you listen very carefully? That this salvation that God is offering is not just for intellectuals or spiritual giants or people with some special insight who are specially gifted to receive this gift of God. This is a salvation that simple folks like me can receive and enjoy. Listen to these words. Look unto me. Maybe there's somebody here tonight and you're saying, but Brother Dan, I want to look to Christ, but I just don't understand what that means. I, I just don't know how. Could I give you an illustration tonight? I've spoken on this many, many times. It's helped a few folks, and I hope it'll be a help to you. I have two children. I have a daughter and a son. They're both grown now, and um, we're very happy with them. But uh, both of them went to university for four years. And uh, for those of you who uh, are parents here tonight, you can all come up and sob on my shoulder after the meeting is over because you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The problem with my kids is, is they had too much month left at the end of the money. Do you all know what that means? They were always broke. Now, I'm a firm believer in personal responsibility, and I tried to teach that to my children. But honestly, my kids were working two jobs, going to college and coming to the meetings as well, and I appreciated their efforts. And so this is what my wife and I said to them. Look, kids, you do what you can, and you do what you should. But if you reach a point where your resources are finished, look to us. Do you know what that meant? They knew what it meant. It just meant this. With empty hands come and depend on what mom and dad are giving. My friend, tonight, that is exactly what it means to look to Christ tonight. We're not looking tonight for some mysterious experience, some spiritual videotape that will reveal the Lord Jesus to your soul. If you have those kind of things going on, you have problems that I can't help in a gospel meeting. But I'm going to tell you this. If there's just one poor sinner in this meeting and you've reached the end of your resources, let me tell you tonight there is a Savior and He's saying, depend on me. Isn't that sweet? He loves you so much that at Calvary He did all that God required. At Calvary He did all that a sinful soul could ever need. And tonight He just says, depend on me. May God fix this beautiful gospel verse in your heart. Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. It's true, God is simply asking you to look to Him for the forgiveness of your sins, for the salvation of your soul. 
you see there's really nothing that you can do anyway. So why not accept God's invitation and trust what he says? Christ suffered and died for sin. All the work of salvation has been done. So look to him and be saved, for he is God and there is none else. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.